What's going on, friends and family? Welcome to random number 83 on the middle of January, where we spent the entirety of today watching Breaking Bad Season 4 Part 2, which spanned episodes 8 through 13. Uh, We also watched The Upside, Replicas, and then caught Leave No Trace on Amazon Prime. Did you get everything watched today, Luke? Yes, and more. And more. Tell me, tell me. Oh, no, I just, uh, you know, I was trying to figure out where we needed to split Breaking Bad season five. And so I've watched six episodes of that already. (laughs) You son of a bitch. I like how this is like, we've been fighting for the last three days how we should split it. And, like, you're just like, fuck it, I'll just watch half of it, or a good chunk of it, just to see where the hell everything lies. Uh, I, did it, I did it last night, because I couldn't sleep, and so, like, I watched it <laughs> straight through, and I was like, nah, four is not a good spot to stop. And I was like, five, but there's only three episodes left. See, that, see, that's fine. I'm glad you did that, so we definitely know that eight is a good stopping point. So, for those not in the know, um, for season five of episode, or for Breaking Bad, um, there's 16 episodes. Uh, We're going to be splitting it into two two parts, just like the rest of the seasons. Um, We're going to do eight episodes next week, and then eight the week after. So, that'll be the wrap-up of Breaking Bad, finally. Um, I was cleaning my room, actually, yesterday, and I found last year's... um, entertainment magazine that I held off on reading because it's the Breaking Bad reunion so I can finally get around to that good stuff (laughs) why do you actually have print magazines what's wrong with you Uh, for some reason uh, they started sending me like all these random print magazines and I was like I don't want any of your fucking magazines and they're like well you gotta pick something and I was like Fine, send me entertainment. And then as soon as it started doing it, it's like, I don't watch any trailers, so it's like talking about all these movies I don't want to know anything about. I'm like, fucking pretty much straight to the recycling bin. (laughs) Well, it's better than when I was getting Vogue for like four months straight, and I have no idea how that happened. (laughs) I think it's just um, the old school style of phishing scams. Where they just intrigue you and try and hook you with the goddamn print magazines, which I'm surprised there's still any print magazines going. Yeah. That's just a losing cause. <laughs> <coughs> so that is all you, that's all the extra that you watched was just a few more episodes of Breaking Bad? Yeah, and then I just got caught up on the weekly shows I watch. Nice, nice. Um, anything you want to talk about before we get into Breaking Bad then? How excited are you for two more Mission Impossibles back to back? I am stoked. Um, <laughs> they were do- they were showing something uh, with Tom Cruise, and uh, like they made a very big uh, deal about uh, cruising over the Mission Impossible scene or the uh, promos for that, and I was like, all right, right on. Because fucking Fallout was great, so what do we have to wait twenty one? Yeah, they're shooting them back to back, and then they'll be released twenty twenty one and twenty twenty two. Nice. See, that's fine. I'm good with that. 
I also I mean, feel like it's him being like, I only got a couple of these left. We better do them back to back because I'm getting real fucking old. I can only imagine how fucking sorry he was after Fallout. Um, he's getting up there, man. Yeah. And I think so. That means year, uh, we'll have this... uh, we'll have a new Mission Impossible movie and the Top Gun sequel in the same year. Oh, I thought Top Gun was next year. Or yo, it is. Was it? I thought it was twenty twenty one. Maybe it is twenty twenty. I can you I imagine if so. that movie ends in? Can you imagine if that movie ends and it segues straight into Mission Impossible and you realize it's the same character? I hope so. That's what I'm. That's all the hopes of my dreams right now. I or what if the universes cross over and Tom Cruise just plays two different characters that are exactly the same? I'm fine with both. And there's they start collecting the Tom Tom Cruise multiverse. <laughs> Where it's yeah, like, like, the like a helicopter's chasing Ethan. They do a remake. Like a helicopter's chasing Ethan Hunt, Jelly. and then Maverick flies in and shoots it off, and then all of a sudden the mummy shows up, and uh... <laughs> you got fucking uh, Days of Thunder in there. Fucking oh shit, yeah. few good men. Shit, like all these great uh, dialogue-heavy movies that he's been in. Um, no, I'd totally be down for seeing something like the uh, the one remake with Jet Li from, except instead of Jet Li, it's Tom Cruise. <laughs> <laughs> He's just going around killing all those different personalities. And you realize it's a documentary. That's why he stayed so young. What's great about that is that it's going to leave from those two straight into the Edge of Tomorrow remake or the second sequel. <laughs> Like, how's that movie getting the sequel? They won. The movie ended. Yeah. Well, I mean, it. it I don't know if it was an after credit scene or it was the end of the movie, but, like, they showed him starting that day over, which sucked. I wish it would have just been the one-shot movie. But it <laughs> is what it is. I'll, t- I'll take more time, Cruise. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um. So... Um, going from that, let's get into Breaking Bad then, and how fucking great this season was. Uh, yeah, it's amazing. I don't know how many times I have to tell you this. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to tell me. I appreciate that you really... That once I said that I hadn't watched it, we made this a priority, number one. <laughs> <laughs> a number one priority. Um, so, uh, we go into episode eight, uh, Hank kind of has figured out, uh, Gus's strategy or whatever plan and goes from that to him staking out Gus's places and they actually even pull him into the DEA to discuss with him and fucking Gus is a great character. He just has all the right moves, knows what to say for everything, um, He's this just collected, cool operator that was sorely missing from the show that we didn't know we needed until we got him. And then it's been such a fucking riot since then. Yeah, Gus is great. Like, uh, I think what a back half of this season does a lot of is <clears throat> um, it shows the lengths he's willing to go to and the things he's going to do, but he's also um, 
deeply loyal character and he's he feels very righteous in what he's doing and you know it's it's the stark opposite of what walt does where everything's petty and emotionally driven and uh he couldn't care less about who he hurts where you know Gus seems like he cares about his employees. He cares about Mike and Jesse and what happens to them, but he's also semi using them to get what he wants. Yeah. It's funny that you bring that up is because like, it almost seems that he's gotten his revenge on Walt by killing that one dude in front of him and knowing that he can't kill him. I think it was interesting to pivot Jesse, how they did and kind of, show off that he could do this on his own and then uh, using him down in Mexico for the cartel and realizing how that was all playing out. Uh, The back end of episode eight, you get this great understanding of Gus of where he's actually how he climbed through the ranks and like all the shit he's been through with the cartel and everything. Um, then you get some story with the IRS problems with Ted and Skyler. Um, the sh- <laughs> fucking shootout, Ted Beneke. The fucking shootout. And fucking Gus just comes out and is like, fucking shoot me if you're going to shoot me. But don't shoot Because he knows they can't. All the other people. It's so great. Yeah. So good. Um, and then you have dinner with Gus and Jesse. Episode 9's finale of Walt and Jesse beating the shit out of each other. That scene is so yeah. fucking brutal and great. Like, yeah, it's rough. You know, Jesse just begging him for help and, you know, worried about what's going to happen in Mexico. And Walt's just like, you've betrayed me because you haven't killed the man you said you were going to kill. Why won't you kill for me? And then just the disillusion of their partnership again, which happens a lot in the show, but this one feels more brutal and hurtful than the other ones. Well, I mean, you have, this is finally where I think Walt really starts crossing the line for me, where it, he goes into a territory that's almost unforgivable by, he actually bugs Jesse's car and won't, I mean, even though Jesse's lying to him, the fact that he goes the lengths to prove what his intuitions were correct and not just trusting his partner. Um, there's fault on both sides, but th- that is that especially cuts Jesse deep because I mean, he's only been loyal to him to the fact where at the beginning of the season, he killed for Walt just to make sure he survived and won't give his blessing to, uh, yeah. And you even, Walt- you even have that part where uh, <laughs> Jesse's talking to Mike and he's like, what does Gus see in me? And Mike's like, loyalty, but you just have it for the wrong person. You know, you're just so loyal mm-hmm. to Walt. And look how quick Walt's able to just turn and throw, you know, he's just so fucking petty and everything is about him. And he's like, mm-hmm. this man is a problem for me and you won't kill him. So I'm going to bug your car and track your monitor, your activity and fucking call you out on it. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's like a bad breakup scene, you know, like the shit they're yeah. saying to each other before it evolves into violence. It's just fucking Walt's trying to hurt Jesse. Which is crazy. Like I didn't have like, Jesse's probably my favorite character in the show so far. Um, but this was a whole new level of, of appreciation for the character itself because 
Um, he's just been this kind of goof off character and kind of just goes with the flow, but like this kind of like you see him figuring more shit out and kind of like how he wants to deal with things. But even that, like dealing with the shooting early this season and then like Gus realizing that and like kind of getting him, giving him something to do. So he's not on drugs and like actually gives him a purpose and like kind of sorts his shit out. Cause I could have just seen him just spiraling outward and just fucking, this fucking show, man. I was not expecting what I've gotten so far. Um, it just feel felt like it was going to be this. Let's make drugs and whatever comes happens. Like, but like these last two seasons have been incredible. Just like developing these characters that were already brilliant to start off with for these first two seasons. And like, damn. <laughs> And then you get the whole fucking poisoning issue, like, well, before that, you get Jesse going to Mexico to cook, and those brilliant scenes of him with actual chemists that fucking just tell him, that, putting them in their place, because he knows he's more important than those chemists are, um, and then you have the shootout at the uh, actual cartels, it, that's not the whole cartel then, is it? Yeah, and it's it's like the main, at least, you know, the one that uh, Gus is working with, you know. Okay. But and it's not a shootout. He poisons them all. Well, yeah. Um, brilliant. Brilliant fucking way to go. Um, I think I didn't realize it was poisoned until he, like, made sure Jesse didn't have any. But what a fucking... What a fucking badass putting himself in harm's way just to exact his revenge. And where you say Walt is very petty, it feels like Gus is as well, except he knows the route he has to take to get his revenge. Which, I mean, it looks like he's waited 30, 40 years for this revenge. Like, um, yeah, it's just fucking... That whole Mexico episode and when Jesse thinks he's going to be left behind and Mike's like, listen, we're all going or we're not going because he wasn't filled in on the plan. But um, And then you get the brilliant scene of where Gus has already had this hospital pretty much set up in case anything goes sideways, um, and which does. And Jesse saves... Mike and wants them to take a look at Mike more than Gus because I mean he's grown close with him with all the shit he's been doing with him and could care less about Gus because he knows Gus has to die for him and Walt to survive I guess but yeah and then you get the whole poisoning of Brock episode which is fucking crazy well before that between that before that happens, you get why Walt was pushed to that point. It's when Gus mm-hmm. and Jesse get back from Mexico, you know, they cut ties with Walt. It's over. And mm-hmm. Gus literally brings him out to the desert and tells him, like, you're done. And if you fuck with me, I will kill everyone in your family until Jesse says that I'm allowed to kill you. Mm-hmm. Which is even more crazy because then you get um, – that leads – Walt to try and save his family and he goes to Saul to try and 
figure a way to get him protection out of the way so he can at least live to fight another day somewhere else. And then he has to get so much money for this person. And then you get the scene where he's in the crawl space trying to figure out how much he has left and if he can pay for that protection, which then he can't. And you get that ending to 11 where he's just laughing because he realizes how fucked he is because he's in the sights of a very dangerous person and has no way around getting out of it and kind of just has to go head to head with him now. But that fucking scene where it's pulling up from the crawl space and he's just laughing maniacally and his wife's talking on the phone because of the uh, Saul calling in to the DEA this threat on uh, Hank's life. So, Yeah, it's brilliant. (laughs) Yeah, and in those last two episodes you get to deal with the uh, Brock being poisoned and them going after Gus. I think when it showed fucking Walt making the bomb, I was like, that Walt's a fucking bad person. <laughs> yes, I've been moves Gus knows what I've been saying this for how long now? Funny. Like Walt is a bad person. Yeah, but I mean Walt or um Gus won't get necessarily get his hands dirty until that's the last case scenario where Walt is fucking, this is what I got to do. And I'll fucking cross whatever lines I have to. And even before that, the reveal at the end of the season, like realizing the links that, um, Walt would go to fucking this show, man. Like you get the whole spectrum and like, I thought Gus was the most diabolical person on this show, but then that reveal was like, no, fucking, it's been Walt this entire time. Like, Walt's just a, a concoction of evil shit that, like, I don't want to believe it, but at the same time, it's showing you right in your face that that's exactly what's happening. So, yeah, which is because it's interesting because, like, <clears throat> in terms of the show, like, it's it's a show that is very much shown every step of this, right? It's it's followed Walt and Jesse through every motion, every plan. <laughs> you know, when when they bought a gun and they were thinking about killing Tuco and Walt literally is like walk me through it step by step, how many bullets, how are we doing this, you know, like it's so methodical and showing you every every step that these guys take. That's interesting in these last two episodes that it cuts away from Walt. You don't see a lot of what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And that's so that you get that punch at the end. Like, you know, like you, you want to, you want to cheer the, the Heisenberg, right? That the, they pulled it off again. He was able to defeat the villain. And then you mm-hmm. realize what he did. You realize by the end that he poisoned that kid, that entire, he did it completely to manipulate Jesse into helping him kill mm-hmm. another man. And in terms of doing that, was willing to bomb a parking garage and then ends up bombing an old man's home. Like, the dude is fucking just bad to the core, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Which only, which swings it back around to Gus and, like, because he's so petty with this whole uh, Tuco's father, um, just wanting to exact his revenge and, like, is so petty to bring that 
uh, I think it was a watch or something like that, and back to show him that like he had killed his whole family besides him, and like he was the last one. And uh, what a brilliant scene with um, him going to the DEA and them thinking that he's turned um, the calamity that ensues just because the spot he's put uh, Tuco's father in and the revenge he wants from him but isn't going to get it. Um, And then him having the last laugh. Like, also that fucking when he walks out of the room I was like no fucking way and then it to the other side and he's just fucking shredded I was like oh thank god <laughs> because if Gus survives that like I would have immediately gone into season 5 because I don't know if I could have held out uh, <laughs> what happens with him but uh, yeah it's crazy shit but yeah so now we're heading into season 5 with what um they burned the super lab the cartel connections are completely gone gus is destroyed you know what are they gonna do now you know walt has no money also well it feels like they walt doesn't have any money but also there is this distribution that needs to happen for this meth like there's a vacuum now because the cartel isn't supplying at all uh, so it seems like they're probably going to go back to what season two where they're just fucking, I don't know how they're going to make it though, because I mean, they've destroyed the RV and they've destroyed the super lab now. And it doesn't seem like they're on the same page with each other. So I don't know. I don't know what to expect from season five, considering where we've been throughout all this other, but as far as I know, I don't think. I think you've said it a couple times that it doesn't let up. So I'm interested to continue on. Yeah. It's a, it's a ride, my man. Like shit. It's, I mean, I think, you know, we can clearly say that Walt has shown his true colors at this point. So you're heading into a season where he is completely turned and he's also in, complete control right now so which i'm glad you bring that up like so when i do all the the whatever get the posters for the show and whatnot um the season's progression it it was so clear that the first three seasons that jesse and walt were together in this and the fourth season's promos have walt in this Heisenberg persona like he has given up on everything else that like it's this very big divide so yeah it it, does he become that kingpin or does he finally get caught with all this other stuff he's been wrapped around I I don't think he survives through season I mean I guess he makes it to the end but I'm sure he dies but It'll be interesting how they wrap everything else up because, I mean, they've tied up all the other loose ends like Tuco's father and all this other shit. Like, I can't think of many characters that we've seen throughout this season that haven't been a threat that haven't been dealt with. So it's crazy how tightly it's bringing all the strings together. So, yeah, yeah. I'm excited to see them deal with Cartel. <laughs> 
and with each other because it's there's still that divide. And if if Walt becomes inebriated again, spills all the beans to everybody. Uh, and like when he had that scene with his son, like, and his son is like, "This is the most real you've been over this year." So like everything up to this point, we've seen Walt has been such a shift from everybody else that has known him, which is wild. Like, so we're seeing it. We're seeing him in this persona rise from everything else that he's gone through in life. So it's crazy. Yeah. And also his kid got a PT cruiser, man. What a shitty birthday. <laughs> Fucking PT. <laughs> what a shitty birthday. <laughs> Oh man, when he got that PT cruiser, I remember texting you. I was like, "Listen, there's very few guys I hate more than Aztec, but I can't believe it's the PT cruiser. <laughs> like, what a fucking bummer to go from a Challenger and the fucking PT cruiser. I'd fucking be like, fuck it, I'm walking everywhere. Tell me, you. <laughs> you guys are awful parents. <laughs> Saving my ass, so." Ridiculous. Oh, uh, that was another great thing. Like, I didn't realize uh, Walt Aztec had been wrecked in the car wreck. So when the white car was showing up, everybody was like, who are the fuck is... Who? That's not a PT Cruiser. I didn't understand it was Walt's car until, like, they showed him getting in it, like, the last last episode. I was like, oh. That yeah, the Aztec <laughs> got smoked. <laughs> <laughs> That's good stuff. Good fucking good stuff. Show. So yeah, season five is on its way. Um, from there, um, do you want to do the Amazon movie first? Whatever, I'm following your lead. Nah, fuck it. Nah, fuck it. Let's go with replicas. Did you like it? Fuck no. What are you talking about? The movie's so I bad. I think so. <laughs> nah, I figured. Um, no, no, no. With. So I liked elements of it. This is another very mute-esque movie where I like ideas and like things that brought forward, but it was just such a jumbled mess that like it kind of didn't know what it wanted to do with all of that. Like, um, I like. I think this is the first like clone actually movie we've had since like fucking the Arnold Schwarzenegger one. <laughs> Which was ridiculous, considering how it felt like these were going to be like AI kind of counterparts with like uh, metal bo- or um, robot bodies. Like when they started, yeah, the movie they, they spend so much that. of the first part of the movie being like, "I'm trying to transfer human consciousness into robots." I was like, "Oh, that's what he's going to do his family." And then all of a sudden, it's like, "Get the clone pods." I was like, "Wait, what the fuck are we doing in the movie? <laughs> what is going on?" And like. It's such a a wild and violent shift to that clone technology is like it's so ridiculous. Like um this car crash out of nowhere and <laughs> what an awful family not be able to at least one of them survive besides his dad and like I don't know. This movie's so weird and just a clusterfuck of information, like it's just bad, man. Just use the word. Yeah. It's bad. A lot of it. A lot of it doesn't. No, I'm not. I, because there's things I like in it, so I can't say it's necessarily bad. But it's definitely a wait for it to come out to Netflix or some shit. No, it's just some bad. Other One, it makes no sense. 
like and every time it's going somewhere it doesn't it completely fails as a narrative because the whole point is just like I got to erase this one kid because I don't have enough fucking pods because I can't tell my family that they're clones even though they don't realize they're missing like three fucking weeks of their lives and it's all good and then at the end it's like gotta tell them all they're clones and they're all cool with it it's no problem and now I get my daughter back again it's just so fucking regressive and dumb and then uh, Keanu's just fucking awful in it and like he's really bad yeah like like really bad the mustache twirling corporate villain is super bad (laughs) um yeah yeah this movie is just all over the place um to a point where you just cloned three fucking people make another two weeks and clone your other daughter yeah why he's just like i need to go and erase her (laughs) from everyone's memory it's like why just fucking clone her two weeks later like what the fuck (laughs) It's not like also, one-time you made the pods. right choice picking the child that's drawing on a table and just drawing the same shit over and over. Like, yeah, there's a lot of threads that didn't make a lot of sense. Also, the fucking let's go around the island stealing batteries for some kind of generator that wouldn't ever, ever work. Well, when he's like fucking like, <laughs> he's like, we need a generator because if the power goes off for even one second, they'll all die. And he's just like, it's two in the morning. Where am I going to get a generator? And then it shows him hooking up all these batteries in the morning. It's like, why didn't you just fucking wait till morning? It took you all night to do this. Yeah. And then the cops show up for no reason. It's so dumb. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's just a lot of frayed loose ends, and then it turns into a goddamn run and chase at the end of the movie. Like, <laughs> also, that fucking robot at the end, like, Keanu takes over, is just the worst piss poor design for a robot I've ever seen. Dude, oh, I. Oh, c- God, it was so awful. And I could not stop laughing when, like, a robot carrying a dead body comes through and it's got Keanu's voice. He's like, I'm here for my family. And I was like, oh, God. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so ridiculous. Um, so yeah, the movie's bad. I'm not gonna lie anymore. Don't <laughs> it's see it. really bad. Um, uh what else is mess. really bad? The 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 whole frayed end that no like it doesn't come up anything when like w- right after he wakes the clones up finally and like they're not right. Like the the wife's having mm-hmm. problems with her stomach and her chest, and like the kids are like pouring food into their milk glasses because they don't understand and their hands aren't working right just and then nothing comes of it just it's all fine yeah yeah it's just this fucking there was a lot of things they could have gone and the way they chose to play it out just didn't work whatsoever um and for him to not realize that they had these trackers on them like (laughs) what a mess of a movie yeah, it's real bad. And then it it literally ends with robot Keanu in a suit gonna go perform. Like it's so tough. Like I could not believe that was the end of the movie. Also, no, no, that's not how it ends because they he did bring back his daughter, and yeah. then now these people that don't have any memory of her, I guess, have another kid. I guess. Whatever. Yeah, and like, what did he explain? He's like, kids, you're clones, and I erased the memory of your sister, but hey, now I had the time to clone her, and now she's back, so get used to it. Like, what the fuck? 
I had this box of stuff that I kept. I love how they're like, uh, yeah, what happened to those pictures on the wall or the bunk bed that was in my room? And they're like, no, there was definitely a bunk bed. It's like, you guys, you guys are funny. Also, this whole catfishing for his family while they're fucking being cloned. Where he just has the table set up with all their electronic devices, like oh my god, I transforming their li- lives. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. Oh, and like, what would, a mess. Did he not think like no one would know? <laughs> like when they came back, and and then all of a sudden, like he pulls them out of school, and like the wife quits her. He pretends to be the wife and quits her job, and she's like, "How do you explain that to these people when they come back? Like, what the fuck? Like, how this plan makes no sense. It does not work at all." What's so funny about that is like you have this he is such this he's portrayed as this brilliant character that is solving like the next big thing in science, but he can't think four steps ahead to think that like people wouldn't not see their family being around like so ridiculous. And then the whole and fucking they, like they listen, they try and portray him as a genius, but he's all like Look, empty core, and when you touch it, oh, it's the body. They realize, like, I was like, fuck off. This is not some brilliant scientific <laughs> discovery. No, not even a little bit. Because um, I thought it was going to be some, I thought it was going to be something really dumb where, like, it calls back to the conversation between him and his wife earlier when he's just like, people are just electrodes, chemistry, you know, it's all it is. And she's like, you're fucking kids, man. Like, it's like a soul. And he's like, nope, just chemistry. That's all it is. <laughs> I thought they come back to that, like, I can't get it to work because of the soul, and, you know, try to figure that out. But no, it's just, like, the robot doesn't realize it's a robot body and rejects the memories. It's... <sighs> and also... I, I want to say that I saw a trailer, like, an early trailer of when they're having the conversation with the robot, and, like, he, can't, he, freak, he does the freak out. Like... <sighs> There's just little bits and pieces of just a very, two very bad narratives going on that doesn't quite make a complete story. Yeah, it was making sense. And like, what the fuck is this? Like, if you stick a needle in your eye, I can map your neural pathways in two seconds. Like, what? That's not how you. What? Stop it. Listen, it's the future, and I'm gonna take this machine into the bathroom and map my own brain. Not not considering that'd be a lobotomy. Like you're fucking yourself out. So, so dumb. So thank yeah, you for don't making see me watch replicas. That. Uh <laughs> yeah. That one's on me. That's one strike well, like, me, I guess. Um You know it's not good when like what? me of all people doesn't hear about a movie until like two weeks before it's dropping. It's got Keanu in it, and I've never heard of it, seen a trailer for it. And then when the movie starts and there's like 17 production companies show up, you're like, oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, I know besides as well. Now that, you, now that you point that out, I'm like, shit. I hope that doesn't happen in any other movies this year, but I'm sure we're going to give them a bunch. <laughs> um, How do you feel about the upside, though? Um, I think it helps that I went immediately from replicas to that 20 minutes later because I was immediately more forgiving Uh. after watching that shit show. (laughs) Um, I think it's okay. It's like, it's not great, but it's not offensive. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I think it it gets by on 
the chemistry of the leads more than anything it's doing narratively or characterized yeah. way. You know, it's just Kevin Hart and Cranston have a chemistry that makes it watchable, even though the movie could be a lot more, I suppose. Yeah. Um, it's also cool seeing Cranston be such a great actor with only using essentially his facial expressions and like to see the uh, depression that's set in and like it was interesting how much they showed of what had happened but like he kind of just gave the cliff notes and then the whole narrative with um, Kevin Hart getting his family out of this portion of the city that doesn't leave much for them to be uh, to be able to get out from whatever rock they're under. Um, mm. Just because, I mean, they're not making enough and whatnot. And, like, it's just a bad part of town. So Yeah, but that's not the problem. The, the movie glosses yeah. over any any narrative culpability you could hold against Kevin Hart for being a bad father and partner to these people by just saying that money's the answer. You know, he's like, got a job. Now my kid likes me a little more and I bought them a house and we're kind of getting back together now. Like, I don't see any actual growth in him as a person. It's the money that just helps that whole situation. So I'm going to write that off completely. Yeah, I think they should have maybe spent a little bit more time with him, like realizing that he was more mechanically inclined and like wanted to make these mobile. I think that showed a little bit of him growing as a character, the fact that he wanted to help others, like he had helped Cranston with his scooter and then makes a company like that kind of just glossed over a little bit, but um, also bringing him in uh, his past or his uh, executor back together um, after like Cranston went spiraling in even further into depression kind of fires everybody around him. So yeah, it's good. I liked it. Um, I, however, saw this prior to replicas and like replicas left a bad taste in my mouth. So it's like, (laughs) wish I had had them switched, but yeah, I liked it. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I don't know. It's kind of, it's really service level on a lot of things. You know, it's like, rich white guy shows the poor black guy the joys of opera and art and the finer things in life. But the black guy shows him the down to earth stuff like Aretha Franklin and hot dogs and weed. And it's all kind of (laughs) just surface level nonsense, but Cranston and Hart work well enough together that it's not off putting. Yeah. Um, this over escape room, I think you'd be much better off going with the upside. So that's about all I can recommend. Uh, <laughs> that said, man, like, man, I was laughing so hard at the end because like half the row in front of me was like audibly sobbing. And I was like, what the fuck's wrong with you people? Get it together. Um, I had a, a group of adults behind me that were giving play by play of everybody that's been in this movie and what their accolades were. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking people. Um, Um, So how'd you feel about uh, 
Or did you have more for the upside? Oh, I was going to say, I was, the thing that struck me is weird. I didn't realize this was a remake of a French film until the credits rolled. Oh, was it a French film? I, I meant to look into it a little bit more. I figured it was probably just a kind of a copy and paste movie, but. No, because apparently, like, kinda... even though they'll say, like, you know, based on a true story, except we moved the complete country and changed the dates and this and that, whatever. But yeah, apparently it came out in like 2013 and it's a story about like uh, a Frenchman and it's it was like one of the highest grossing movies in France that year or something. But... 2013? I thought I saw 73. <laughs> Where did I see that? I don't know. Where did you see that? Um... I'm trying to the the French movie is called Intouchables, right? Yeah, Intouchables. Maybe I had residual uh, bullshit from City of or uh, Star Wars later. <laughs> yeah, 2011, and they kind of yeah, it seems like it's a very copy and paste esque movie. Yes, very much so. Hmm. Interesting. Um, yeah, considering it's only like five years old, I definitely don't want to go back and review that. Like, if it was a couple couple decades old, it would maybe be something worth revisiting, but nah. Um, so from there, how would you feel about Leave No Trace? How did you feel about it? Because this is a very artsy-fartsy movie that you don't like that stuff. I really enjoyed it. Um, when it started out with uh, fucking crazy there, I was like, all right, I'm in. But uh, it, it <laughs> felt so realistic. And like these these two, um, I dare say, but it felt like the polar opposite of eighth grade. Um, where you have this girl that's so ingrained in social social media and whatnot. And then you have these two that are trying to, completely live off the grid to the point where they're hiding from park officials <laughs> that they're they're uh, kind of squatting in. Yeah. How'd you feel? I liked it. I didn't love it, which I was kind of hoping for because, like, this is one of those, like, movies that I didn't have a chance to catch last year, but it was getting rave reviews. And, like, mm-hmm. I forget, it has, like, 100% on Rotten Tomatoes if you know, you ever look at the tomato meters, kind of indication of what critics are saying or anything. But like, this movie was hyped mm-hmm. as like a masterpiece, and I really like it. But I think I probably hyped mm-hmm. myself up too much going into it. It's a very subdued movie. It's very quiet, and it's just, uh, you know, it's just a nice little intimate view into a life of <clears throat> this family and trying to be there for each other, and then in the way at the end where it kind of fractures and you realize that, you know, like she says, you know, what's wrong with you is not wrong with me. And I need this and have them part Mm -hmm. ways to give each other what they need without bringing themselves down. I think it's really affecting. Um, And the acting's great and it's directed and shot beautifully, but I don't know. I liked it. Which is super, super powerful moment at the end that you were talking about. Like, it felt it. It feels like a a metaphor for 
dealing with and shedding toxic people around you, but in both of their senses, like um, something happens or the thing that happens is, and then they separate, but I just kept feeling like she had um, went along with him for so long that she didn't want to, but it felt would possibly compromise and then but um, yeah as much as I want to give credit to um, Ben Foster's acting like she did an amazing job oh no Um, like that fucking like she's brilliant and like that kid is great absolutely fantastic Um, and then the for them to find the kind of little close community that doesn't want the authorities around like it's a community that have of these people that have found ways to coexist but not be on top of each other and like I thought that was really fantastic for her to find because as much as it seemed like she was adapting to this different way of life that they had found after they got caught um it also didn't seem like she wanted any of that. It seemed like she was very much able to take care of herself and figure out how to do things. And then you get that sweet little moment at the end where she was leaving a bag of stuff for her dad, hopefully. And like even the clicking tongues thing, like I thought that was really great. Um, Great way of showing that they cared for each other without making a big deal about it. Yeah, and it's literally just showing that, like, you know, it's just this idea of what is home. And to her, it was always, it's with my dad. But then she, you know, once they get caught and she gets more of a taste of these things, you know, she gets this interaction with this other kid and, you know, some better amenities. And, like, she realizes, like, that's what she wants. She wants to be a part of community and she is sociable and she can't fault her father for, you know, being so regressive with this PTSD and wanting just no part of anyone. And you see how he struggles to try, you know, like mm-hmm. he, he's trying to live in the, both those communities and he just can't do it. And at that point he realizes like, he's got to let her go and she's got to let him go. It just, they can't keep bringing each other down and they need to, which is all do what's also right great. Them. I think they did a great job of showing that he was in this kind of, I don't know, the PSTD, PST PTSD. type syndrome. Yeah, there you go. Um, but, like, they didn't explain all that much. Like, they just showed that they kind of, he kind of had it, like, had nightmares from it whatnot, um, and was kind of coping. But it wasn't, it didn't set out to try and fix him. Like, it, it was just showing what mind space he was in, like, trying to figure out a way for him and his daughter. Like, yeah, I really liked it. Um, the whole, the whole scope of the whole movie. And then like his daughter kind of thinking that what they were doing and not giving much of a shot, um, to this new way of living and like Ben Foster, not being able to the helicopter flying around and whatnot. And like, not really wanting to, take what was offered to him even though like he was kind of working for working it off um 
yeah, I think this all the narrative ties in this movie just work so well with each other. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, I just figured, you know, it's it's very slow. It's very quiet, mm-hmm. and I just I know you're not into that stuff, so maybe I'm breaking you a little more. Um, no, after. After I watched it and got to, I was surprised because I watched it last night and I figured um, how slow it was moving that it might put me to sleep. But no, I was totally hooked um, because I thought they did a great job of, even though it was slower paced, did a great job of hitting all these points that they were making throughout the movie. Like, and they never really went back to one one thing like it was always moving forward with this whole whole narrative so yeah it was good and also ben foster's never wrong he's he's so good (laughs) yeah for sure Mm, so definitely watch that if you have prime there's no reason not to check it out um so then what are we watching for next week uh theatrically we got your boy glass coming in uh which Fuck yeah. Reviews on that are making me real pumped to see it, let me tell you. <laughs> I haven't seen anything. Uh, I am going to... I'm not saying you need to, but I'm definitely going to be re-watching Unbreakable and Split. Because I don't think I've seen Unbreakable before, since I've seen it in theaters, or even DVD, so like 20 years almost. Um, and then Split was a couple years back, so... I think it really helped with me remembering everything like we did with Predator and Halloween. So I definitely want to do that. You're more than welcome to if you feel like you want to. Well, I'm um, sure like we're doing the first half. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I don't think we need to like devote segments to it. I think it's going to intertwine into the talks because of glass pretty well. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, second half of break or um, first half of season five of Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad season five. Um. Uh, I assume we'll do Deadly Class this week since it premieres this week. Yeah, yeah. So we're gonna do something fun this year. Um, we're going to be doing this like print to screen review, like once a month. Um, we're gonna start it off with this month. Uh, we're gonna be reading the first volume of Deadly Class. So read that and then watch the pilot episode. I think you can watch it on SciFi.com. Um, and then we're gonna discuss and see what. Uh, narrative they I think we're gonna start off the show next season or next episode with that and then I'll cut it out even if you only want to watch that so um yeah we'll be starting that up so and then uh another semi page to screen adaptation for me at least uh the new Fox TV show The Passage premiered last night so we're gonna check that out right on right on just first episode then uh, yeah, we'll try. It's just the uh, first episode was last night, so we'll check it out and see what we think. Uh, I'm sure I'll probably keep with it, um, unless it's really bad. <laughs> but uh, it's based on a <laughs> based on a trilogy of books that I read, like the first half of the first one, and I really liked, but I just never finished it. So, yeah. Um, is it like is it like demon demonology stuff? What a, a, what was that? <laughs> Is it like supernatural, like demon type of things? It's vampires. Okay, that's fine. I'm fine with vampires. Um, from like the glimpse of a trailer, I caught like it seemed like it was supernatural stuff. So, 
bitch i didn't even uh, know it was coming yeah. out like I, I was in the bookstore the other day and it was like it was like a copy of the book and how they fucking put like you know the tv or movie poster on it once it gets out of an adaptation i was like wait what and i pulled out my phone i was like shit it starts in like a week i didn't even hear about this what the fuck so (laughs) so yeah we'll check that out um yeah that should be a good show next week i'm pretty excited Uh, also i'll probably catch a few episodes of punisher season two uh i saw a, a brief review of the season and it kind of feels like it's um Daredevil two territory where it's it's good but it's definitely not as good as the first season was so I just saw a thing um, where it's like yeah. the bad guy this season is a, a white evangelical Christian man it's like I'm I'm okay I don't know if I can need that in my life <laughs> yeah um, so I'm but, not uh, thinking I'll probably uh, binge it but I'll, did you uh, catch a, a couple did you watch a dog's way home. Uh, no, I'm probably going to it tonight. Maybe. <laughs> Fair. I'm, I'm, I'm really trying to persuade myself out of it, but if I probably don't see that, I'll probably have to see the mule. Because <laughs> I think my mom wants to go see it, and I have to take her to it. So, Fair. probably it'll be the mule. <laughs> so we'll see. I'm sure I'll have a fun review t- next week of whatever I see. So. Well, it'd be cool. I heard uh, Eastwood has a threesome in the meal, so have fun with that. I definitely don't want to see that then. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we'll catch all that next week, and we'll uh, bring that to the table for random number 84 next week. Love y'all, and we'll catch you then. Peace, pineapple, and all that good stuff. I don't love you. I don't know why I said that. That's weird. <laughs>